Hey folks, Josh here. This fall at Gen Con, the largest tabletop gaming convention in the world, our show will be hosting its very first live recording session, taking place August 2nd at 8 p.m. in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Indianapolis. This show will include a one-time recording of a What's in the Rift one-shot, as well as a prize drawing amongst ticketed guests where we'll be handing out exclusive What's in the Rift Gen Con 2024 custom t-shirts, as well as a Cortex Prime RPG handbook signed by the system's creator, Cam Banks. Tickets are $6 and available via Gen Con's events page. You can find more information and a link to the sales portal at rift.show forward slash live. We can't wait to see you there. Rusty Quill presents. For the best listening experience, we recommend headphones. Hey folks, Josh here. Just a reminder that we have $10 PA announcements that you can fill this space with. You can find those at ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com. Or if you'd like to support us in another way, Patreon is a very viable option to get ad-free episodes as well. That support is what allows us to continue making the show for you and bringing the consistent level of quality from week to week. Without further ado, here is What's in the Rift. Previously on What's in the Rift. Court, as you're approaching this machine, another van begins to go by, except it doesn't continue. It stops not but 10, 15 feet away from where you're standing, staring at this blue cylinder that just snapped a photo of you. Their eyes land on you, and for a beat, nothing happens. And then the door opens, and they exit the vehicle, never taking their eyes off. You make it a few steps before you stride a little bit too far. And as you come down, you collapse. Your leg goes out. When you land, you are on your back. You are staring up at the underside of this bridge. And there's a message there, a message that only sits with you for a second that message says stars converge sands diverge and yet we drift apart when you say seeing it from a different like uh, outside of everything you are pulled from reality and given a view of it that is almost like you're looking at a version of you that isn't isn't victoria do you know who jason christ is an asshole. Hey, ah. hey, watch it. You ah. don't hear me talking smack about your your Stevie Ice Blizz To be guy. fair, we absolutely we're just talking shit about the Stevie Ice Blizz. I, I think I told y'all a little bit about my spirit radio and hearing all this, I'm getting the same feeling about that. Like, I can't grasp on to any of it. I thought that was something special, but now I feel like my head is just flooded with all sorts of things and like I tuned into it all the time. Did you have any type of brain injury, Bruce? How do you define a brain injury? Just listen, listen. Do not try to steal a van. Why? That won't go well for you. Find some other means if you can, but a UCRI van is not the way to go. I think the best option is to take out a couple of these people, get their uniforms, and steal a van. 
The disguise idea is, yeah, so far the best. And he turns around and he has a phone in his hands that he was very obviously staring at that he shuts off, shoves it in his pocket and knocks on the back of the van, almost as if to get the attention of someone else. And a second later, a woman strolls around the front of the van, joins him, and he points to you, standing at the end of this alley, with a dog. Hey, kid. What's in the Rift is intended for mature audiences. This show includes death, drug use, criminal activity, and a consistent undercurrent of existential dread. Any children discovered listening to this show will get the hammer. Our story continues with Blanche Boyer and Ace standing at the end of an alley facing down two UCRI employees approaching her as she fakes sobbing into her hands and covers her face. The woman flicks her lit cigarette onto the ground and lightly elbows the man who had just called out to Blanche. He stops to lean into her face where she whispers something into his ear. Blanche, it would seem the woman is slightly less credulous than the man who'd called out to you earlier. She's giving you a hard look and reflexively gripping the long, thin baton at her hip. Are you lost? Yolandi, I'm going to need you to make a roll to pass the charade off convincingly, given that the woman is already a little suspicious. It's going to be difficult. Uh-oh. Guys, save me. Save me if they take me into captivity. This is a D12 challenge. You have to beat a 14. I'm going to use my relationship with mom and pop for inspiration here. Rebellious spirit, self-preservation, spiritualist, and draw on the strength of Jason to get through this tough situation. Okay. All right, give me a roll. Oh, Lord. Um, eight and six isn't not, not enough. That matches the challenge, doesn't hey, it? Hey, yes, but I also rolled a one. Okay, there are obvious consequences that can be had here. You do succeed. The woman standing opposite you takes another step forward and looks over at her partner again. Where did this one come from? I mean, I guess from out there. I don't like the way that this feels. What's the kid doing out here right now? Do you not want to help her? And she looks at him for a brief moment and then takes a few more steps forward. Blanche, you are going to have a complication for this scene only. It is D6 complication. You've caused a greater amount of suspicion in her. Something about this isn't sitting right, but she does not disbelieve what she's seeing right now. She takes another few cautious steps towards you. Where are the rest of you while this is happening? 
I believe we said we were at the edge of the alley hiding, kind of waiting for our moment, if if I recall correctly. Okay, so you're at the mouth of this alley? Like behind them. Like I'm guessing... Oh, you'd, you'd circle I'm guessing around. we're at the back side yeah, of the Yeah, we are circling around and we're waiting out of sight until they've moved forward enough that their backs are securely to us. Okay, from your vantage point then, Jackie, you can see that both of them are facing towards Blanche at the end of the alley right now. And the woman in particular, who definitely seems the more competent and wary of the two, is approaching where Blanche is rather cautiously and with her hand on a baton at her waist. What's your name? Rosie, what's your last name? What's the last name? What's your last name, Rosie? Uh, is that the one that comes after Rosie? <laughs> yes, Rosie. What's your last name? Hernandez. Rosie Hernandez, where do you live? I don't know. You don't know where you live, Rosie? Watch the other side of the van. Oh. You never dealt with kids before? Kids never know where they live. What do you really know about this place that you've ended up? Nothing. I know nothing about this place. He's obviously still trying to pay attention. He looks a lot more compassionate than Jenna, his partner. And he doesn't immediately go to look at the front of the van, almost concerned about what Jenna's may be about to do. You still haven't lifted your face fully, though, right, Blanche? Right. So I don't know if you can see this well, but he's not fully turned around yet because he's watching Jenna as much as he's watching you at this point. Rosie Hernandez, what are you doing in an inclusion area at 9 a.m.? Oh, what? Blanche, when you say what, she immediately looks spooked. No. Nope. Robert, in the van now. In the van now. He snaps out of it and stops looking at you, Blanche, and almost as if he knows what's coming. He hunkers down and starts running towards the driver's side door. They elbow Tosca. You, you said they had batons and not guns, right? Yeah. And to the best of your knowledge, they're just batons. Yeah, I was going to say, do we know what the batons do? It's like, I hope they know these are tasers. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, what, what was your intention when you elbowed me? To run? Yeah, because clearly they're reacting. So if we're going to do something, we got to do do it now. now. I agree. So um, I'm going to start running toward the dude. Okay, if you want to start running, you're going to have to break cover and they're going to see. Couldn't Jackie call Ace to attention as well in this situation? Absolutely. Ace is a trained military dog. So here's what's going to happen. We are going to slip into what is essentially combat now. And this is the very first time that we've done this. Oh my. Because they acted first, they are going to take their turn. And the way the combat works in Cortex is that there is no initiative order. The acting party, the initial acting party, is the first to go. And then you determine who goes next after you. It starts off with Jenna. And she calls out to Robert, her partner, to get back in the van because something isn't right. Robert immediately dives around the van and starts heading in towards the door when he notices you all deeper into the alley break cover. He panics for a minute and goes to pull his baton and he shouts, 
Jenna, there's more of them back here. You want me in the van? I want you in the van. Okay. Whoa, Jenna's a badass, isn't she? Get in the van, Robert. I'll handle it myself, Robert. Because I heard Tosca make a declarative action first. Tosca, you are up first. First thing I'm going to actually do is mention the dog to Jackie to see if she can maybe pull Ace toward the guy running in the driver's seat and maybe, like, grab his leg or something and give me time to get to him. Keep in mind that Ace is by Blanche right now and would have to get past Jenna, too. Right, but they're both going toward different sides of the van, right? Uh, Well, no, Jenna's not making any movement towards the van at all. She's going to handle us. I would signal Ace as soon as I saw you two go to move. Are you passing to Jackie, then? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Yeah, to Jackie. And you're wanting me to send him after the man and not Jenna? After the man to see if Ace can somehow get a hold of him before he's able to get into the van, because once he gets in the van, we're screwed. Because he can just Tuck, are you going to run forward, though? Yeah, I'm running forward. You'll reach the van in almost no time at all. So you make your way almost all the way up to the guy, essentially, right? Exactly. Okay. That's what I'm trying to do okay. is meet Ace there is the goal. Jackie. Okay, I would step forward so he could see me, and then I will use a hand motion to tell him which way to go. Okay, I'm going to need you to roll for Ace using your pool. You can use your relationship with Ace, obviously, for this, but because Ace is an extension of your character, you will be assembling your dice pool for this. That makes sense. This is going to be a D12 challenge. You only have to beat a seven, though, because that is a seven and a one on my dice. You have a chance to introduce a complication or stress to her by spending a plot point. I do not have plot points. I spent them all and I haven't earned any back yet. Right, but keep in mind that you are about to make a roll and can earn yourself plot points right now. All right, I am going to use doing it for others. Okay. Of course, Ace. Mm -hmm. For him off of my values, loyalty. Okay. And I'm thinking Enforcer would be appropriate out of my major specialties. I would say Enforcer is a great choice. The question is, do you want to use shaky hands to get yourself that plot point to make use of the opportunity? Yeah, I was just reading that. Yeah, I think it would be handy to do that. Give me that roll. 16? Yeah, you absolutely destroyed that roll. Right. So that's a heroic success. And if you want, you can spend an additional plot point here. You're going to already give her a bit of stress as she's going to get turned around. So she's going to end up with a a D6 stress to start. You can spend the plot point to step that up to a D8 stress. And just so you know, once she passes a D12 stress, she's taken out. Just like the rest of you. I will spend the plot point and give her an extra stress. She is at a D8 stress now, so that means that everyone will get an additional D8 to roll against her. And you get to describe to me exactly how Ace gets around her and what he does when he reaches Robert. Ace comes to attention after he hears and sees the signal, and he's going to look like he is lunging towards the woman. Ace will bank right around her and head for the man to hopefully intercept him before he reaches the door. She takes a swing at Ace with this baton, and when she does, you are able to see quite clearly that there is something going on at the end of this baton. It's not just a stick. Blanche, you get a much better look at this, and it looks white hot. You can actually see a bit of shimmer to the air. 
but Ace gets around her cleanly, and she spins, and now her attention is taken off of you, Blanche, as she's facing back towards Robert. Jackie, who are you passing next action to? To Jenny, so she can move. I'm going to move. Okay. (laughs) I will follow Tosca forward. I am going to head to the driver's seat. Clearly, Tosca's already made the call to try and get Ace to get a hold of this Robert guy. I want to try and get in the driver's seat myself. Okay, before Robert. Yeah. You're basically foot racing him there? More or less. And if I meet with him physically, I'm going to punch him or body check him or something. Let's decide who gets there first. It's a D6 challenge. Robert's not in the best shape ever. That's a 10. We're going to do rolling on the wheel of life. Because fucking let's go. I will use my relationship with, I don't know, any of these fuckers. Tosca, because I'm running up behind you. I feel like pragmatism makes more sense because I'm trying to make the tactical move of getting into the vehicle. Um, And then I will do... uh, I'm going to do Enforcer because (laughs) I would say I'm definitely getting down and dirty and up close as I'm running into them. Okay. I want more dice with bigger numbers. Um, ooh, that's one, four, seven, three. So that would be an 11, but I do have a one. I am going to take you up on that hitch, but you do get there before Robert does. You come streaming out of the alley and you pass Tosca rapidly. You're running at a full clip and you've managed to get there before Robert does, but at the expense of not having a whole lot of control when you do get there. You reach out, you grab the handle of the door and you use it to swing yourself around, but in doing so you lose your footing and you roll your ankle. You are positioned where you can easily get into the door and Robert is still a good yard behind you. You guys see Jenny just fucking bolt up there. She very clearly fucks up her ankle, but then yeah, I'll yell, Blanche! Is my real name? (laughs) All hell has broken loose, Blanche. But she doesn't know your real name. Could I make it all the way to the van around Jenna if I can get past her? If you can get past her, but getting past her is the first step. Does the passenger side have a big sliding door or do they have big sliding doors on the side of these vans or is it like a delivery truck where it opens in the back instead? Both. Okay, I'm going to make a move to get to the passenger side. Okay, you want to get around Jenna. Yes. Remember that Jenna has a D8 stress. She's already suspicious of you, though, so she has your complication that she's rolling with this. It's going to be a D12 challenge. Okay, um, I would like to spend a plot point and give her a complication from You Wouldn't Hurt a Kid. You will have Pang of Morality, a D6 complication. So you will add a D6 to your pool. That will last the duration of the scene or until she knows that you're not a child. Okay. All right. You are trying to be 13. I'm going to use my relationship with Court because I need to remember why the hell I'm doing this in the first place. And pragmatism. Let me use manager. You use manager a lot. I'm interested to hear how it works in this situation. Actually, let me use spiritualist. Okay. Again, drawing on verses from Jason to support the people that I have allied myself with. I'm going to start asking you to tell me which verses they are, if you keep using that as your reasoning. It's from the book of Chad. Okay. Chapter 2, 
verse 12, for ye who abandons all friends, abandons all hope. But yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> all right, all right. Spiritualist it is. And I'm going to use rebellious spirit. Okay, and keep in mind that you do have that D8 from her stress as well. Yep, yep. Okay, let me see here. Six, eight. Not fucking you, your bad luck. Eight, two twelves. I'm going to kick ass. Oh, my God. Oh. Six. Six. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> wait, so out of all those dice, you managed to roll a six? Yes. Oh, seven. Sorry. Seven. Okay, well, I mean, you're against the 13, yes. so. Yes, a four, two threes, a two, and a one. Okay. Um, You go to move around Jenna, but having already been juked by the dog, she is not going to be made a fool again. And as you take off running, she gets confirmation on her suspicion that you're not what you say you are. And she loses all compunction, and she swings this baton straight at you. Blanche, you are going to get hit with this thing. Oh! What you feel is an immediate and all-encompassing searing pain from the tips of your toes all the way up to the top of your scalp. And you fall hard, immobilized. Sweet. Love that for me. You slide on the asphalt in this alley and Jenna lets out a yelp and spins back towards the van. Blanche, you do get to decide who goes next, and it is top of the order, so you can choose anyone you like. All right, Jenny, run this bitch over. <sighs> I really want to, but Jenny wouldn't do it. Jenny's way too nice. Fuck Jenny. But, but, hold on. What is What does this look like to us, Josh? Like, can we tell she's still alive? Does she look dead? Is she bleeding? It's, like, what is our visual? It's very difficult to tell what's going on. Basically, Blanche is already small, and she's wearing children's clothing. What you see from your vantage point is she takes off and cuts to Jenna's left from your perspective. She hits her as soon as the baton hits her, and it's not hard enough to even really make that much of a thwack. Blanche seizes up and almost statue-like hits the ground. So I am first going to like look at all the stuff. I know you mentioned there is a whole ton of extra gears. Is there anything that is obviously like transmitting, recording, any blinking dots or something that would be a very obvious? Let me describe the inside of this van to you. You get in and you are confronted by a massive array of gauges and panels, none of which make immediate sense to you. The edges on everything seem to be roughly welded, almost giving it a homemade quality. There are a number of dull gray metallic casings and interfaces, and there's a coiled cable leading to a handheld radio. Do you want to take a quick glance in back too, or...? Yeah, I'm going to... Sure. I'm getting in this thing. I don't want to get attacked by someone sneaking in the back. (laughs) Take a quick look behind me. It's clear in back. The thing that stands out most to you there is that there appears to be some type of like computer built into this van. There's a keyboard hanging off the wall, and there is a medical bed in the back, something that is a little bit odd given everything else. Are there any batons within reach? There is if you want to spend plot points on it. Dang it, I don't have any plot points. Okay. Well, shit, I really want to help Blanche. I really don't want to get hit by that thing. 
but I can't just back up because she's standing on top of Blanche and I had also hit Blanche and that's bad. She'd spun around. She is still in Blanche's vicinity, but she is facing back towards the van. Is Blanche directly behind the van? Blanche would be behind. Okay. But like Jenna would be in between the van and Blanche. Right, right. But it'd be a very close call. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because Jenna's a super threat. I am going to leave the door open so that it maybe hits Robert because. (laughs) Okay. Is that explicitly what you're doing? I'm not going to leave it wide open. I'm going to kind of pull it so it's, I don't know, like a 45 or something. I'm going to throw the van in reverse, and I'm going to punch it back and then slam on the brake. Because she's, what, like 20 feet away or something? She's not far, right? Right. All right. Well, I'm going to try to reverse NASCAR this shit, but stop pretty quick so that I hit her but not Blanche is the <laughs> the idea. Oh my God, please okay. don't run me over. I'm calling this right now. This is a high-stakes encounter-defining role. You are proposing an immediate end to this conflict, which means that there will be major consequences one way or another. This will be a D12 challenge for you. I am going to make my roll now. You have a D6 complication too, right? Mm-hmm. The roll bankle. So that will be going into it. Oh, geez, that's one one. Oh, but... That's 16. Oh, no. Jesus fucking Christ. Two eights and a one. So your complication actually gave her a one. Okay. So here's my pool. Flirted with death. My relationship with my dad, because I'm relating myself to my dad in this situation. He was trying to do something good, propel science and do great things, and then ended up doing something terrible. I'm worried that I'm going to do the same thing. So Jenny is kind of channeling some of that inner talk with her dad from all of that history. If you're going to do that, that's going to have to be explained narratively after this is resolved. For my value, I want to use loyalty because I wouldn't be here at all if it wasn't out of loyalty to court and I wouldn't be doing what I'm about to do if it wasn't out of loyalty for my new friend Blanche. Okay. I want to use spiritualist and that is going to hinge back to the cycle of death and destruction and that whole idea in that by injuring and or killing this person we can go on to save Blanche who is maybe dead and court who is also maybe dead fulfilling that cycle. Okay. I like and agree with your choices there. And then I have her D8. Y'all, I'm nervous. I don't want to kill Blanche. (laughs) All right. Y'all ready for this money shot? Come on, Sunny. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. Dude. That's a 19. Hell yeah. Let's go. Fuck you, Jenna. All right. Let me paint the picture for you. Here's a brush. (laughs) Jenny, you jump into the cab of this van and you don't find anything immediately handy until you realize that you're in something immediately handy. And while Ace is struggling, trying to grab hold of Robert's jumpsuit as he advances on the door that you just entered, and Tosca runs to the side, trying to intercept Robert still coming towards you, and Blanche lays paralyzed behind the van, having just been struck by Jenna. You throw the van into reverse. You press down on that pedal, You leave that door open just enough to clip Robert, and I'll let you describe what happens next. You guys hear the screech of the tires as this van just jolts backwards. The door that's slightly ajar hits Robert, and he twists off to the side, allowing Ace to do awesome dog things. And the van skids back 
and stops abruptly, just hitting Jenna, and she falls over, stopping short of Blanche, who is helpless on the ground. Indeed, Robert falls to the asphalt in the alley, and Ace descends on him. Jackie, you can decide exactly what Ace is doing in this situation, but Jenna catches the full weight of it as you sharply accelerate into her. She flies a good six to eight feet before she makes contact with the asphalt, and she rolls hard, and the baton goes skittering away from her. When she comes to a rest, she does not appear to be moving. Meanwhile, Robert is screaming at Ace being on him. Jackie, what do you do? Are you allowing Ace to pin him, threaten him? I imagine that Ace isn't just tearing him apart like a wild animal. At this point, he will be securing him, holding him. So it depends how much the dude struggles, how much damage is caused. Well, he's definitely struggling. He's scared. Ace isn't going to exert anything to purposely chew him up, but he is going to hold him there. I will move forward in the direction of the baton to try to reach that. You find some vegetation there growing up against some of the buildings at the edge of this alley. Also, very clearly in that vegetation is a long black baton, now seemingly inert, not glowing as it was. So you retrieve it. There's nothing immediately obvious about how it's activated to you. If you spend some time with it, though, you do find that all it takes is a little bit of additional pressure near the base of that baton, and the harder you squeeze, the more intense that light at the tip of it gets. Oh, interesting. And then she's near this. Is she incapacitated? Is she moving? Can I tell from here? Well, you're a doctor, right? And you did see the hit that she took. And you can tell just based on the general angle that her body is positioned right now that her prognosis isn't great. I will hold the baton at the ready. I'm just checking to make sure that she's not going to be alerting anyone. You get up next to where she's at, and she had come to a rest facing away from you for the most part. Her shoulders appear to be caved in on themselves in a very unnatural way. A way that they shouldn't be able to be caved in on themselves unless her collarbone were completely broken through. Ooh. And you get a good look at her, and she looks still threatening in this motionless, dead-eyed stare. She's not breathing. That much is obvious. The twist and damage to her upper torso leads you to believe that she likely suffered her spine. Mm. Whoops. Is she facing away from Robert? Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to leave her there and not openly react. And I will make my way back over to where Ace has Robert uh, held. Man, you've got to be quiet or we're going to have to uh, silence you. Ah, get it off! It's it's biting me! Yeah, because you're an I asshole. I will command... <laughs> Ace to release and lightly squeeze the stick and hold it against his side of his neck and zap him. Wait, hold... Oh, okay. You're lightly squeezing this stick and holding it against the side of his neck? You squeeze this thing and despite having no idea how it operates or what principles it works on, you press it to the side of his neck. He catches you and what's happening as you start to do it and he reaches out to you and goes... No, 
No! You make contact, and he immediately freezes. Again, every muscle in his body seeming to lock all at once. And this lasts for just a few seconds before he relaxes, his breath coming in ragged gasps through his still mostly locked face. We don't know of the use that. Will you be silent? Yes. Yes. Blanche, on the other side of this van, you're starting to regain some feeling along your neck, your shoulders, and your spine. As you experiment, you can kind of wiggle your shoulders a bit, and it starts to radiate out, and very slowly over the next few minutes, you will start to regain control of your body. Robert is still sitting, staring at you wide-eyed, and as his lips start to relax and his face starts to relax, he very slowly lowers his hand. You're them, aren't you? Them? You're the ones we're looking for. They said there'd be more than one of you, but that's a lot more than one. What do you want with me? I would like to uh, pick up his baton, you know, because it's got to be somewhere close by, right? It's on his hip still. He never took it out. Okay, so I'm going to walk over to him and pull it out myself. Where did they take court? I don't... I don't... I'm here on detail. I don't know where anybody is. This, this is an organized... Like, that that doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't know where a prisoner would be taken to. No, you're, you're right. There is a whole binder of things. And we get one of these... There's, there's the one sheet that's always the same. And the next sheet that's different every time. And that's in the front of the car. You reach up, there's a compartment immediately over the passenger side. You can find it there. You can have it. Take it. I look for it. There's a compartment up there, and inside is a red binder holding two laminated papers. These papers have quite a bit of information on them. I'm not going to read through each of these, but I will give you the high-level sections. At the very top, the first sheet is standard interlaced timeline orders, and it lists four steps, each with sub-steps, that give you a rough idea of what a standing order is for these detail teams when they are dispatched to one of these events. And on the second page, it says list of active czar facilities, and then in parentheses, United States. And that czar is spelled C-S-A-R. I am going to grab this folder. Jenny wants to tend to Blanche. So I'm going to grab the folder and then jump out of the car quickly, realizing my ankle still hurt. I'm going to hand the folder to Tosca and then I'm going to limp run my way over to Blanche. You get to Blanche. She's coming to, you can see the scrapes and scratches across her face, but she is starting to move her shoulders and you can see her tensing and releasing her jaw. Blanche, are you okay? Can you, can you, can you hear me? Are you alive? And I'm kind of shaking her, and I'll roll her over so she's not on her face anymore. And then I'll use kind of like the corners of my sleeve to like start dabbing blood and stuff. I'm looking for major like cuts and breaks and things like that. Oh, oh, God! I don't recommend being on the wrong end of that stick, y'all. What was oh. that? What did it do to you? Yeah, for a second, I thought you were dead. It was like, like my whole body 
lost control of itself. And all I could do was nothing. A number of miles away, Court, you are in the back of a van. You are strapped to a bed, and there is a woman standing over you, monitoring and checking and rechecking a series of diodes placed all over your scalp as she asks you questions. She finishes up with what has to be the fifth or sixth round of these questions. Remember, Courts? Just stay calm and think about what I'm saying. A perfectly ripe strawberry, juicy and fresh. And she monitors a screen on the wall after saying it, makes a note, and then turns back to you. Certain sheets on a hot night sliding over your bare skin. Makes another note, turns back. Stars arcing overhead, fading in the moonlight, repairing in its wake. After each one of these phrases, and this has been going on for some time now, Court, she is making some type of annotation in a book, reading some type of report off of the monitor over your head that you can't angle your head to see, and then moving on to the next question. This has been going on since you've been captured now for, for at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half at this point. And no one has explained anything to you. From the second that you were strapped down in this van, you've been subjected to these never-ending questions and hooked up to some type of machine that appears to be reading something off your body. The too rich sweetness of icing on a birthday cake. Makes her note and then closes the notebook. Mm-hmm. That's it, Court. You did very well. <gasps> did I get a passing grade? That's not how this works. I did pretty good, though. We know everything that we need to know from this. We're just very happy to have you here. And we have a bit of drive left ahead of us, so I'm going to give you something to help you sleep, okay, Court? Oh, that, uh... You know what? Why not? I'll try anything once. She disappears behind you for a moment and comes back. She pulls some of the diodes that have been attached to your temples off, and she unwraps what appears to be a thick white bandage, and she holds it in front of her, and she says, All right, Court, I'm going to place this in your neck, and you're going to feel very tired. You'll hopefully sleep for a while until we get a bit closer to where we're headed. All right? Oh, well, that. I want to see if it works. Yes, go ahead. I appreciate how well you're adjusting to all this. Thank you, genuinely. And she presses this against your neck. Court, the sensation is euphoric. It feels like the straps that have been digging into your wrists, your arm, your upper chest, melt away. You feel as if you're being lifted on a rising current in a warm stream. And the beeps and the hum and the sound of the road outside the vehicle all combine into a soothing symphony of calming waves. And you drift off to maybe the most peaceful sleep you've had in years.
you awake, it's difficult to get a gauge on time, but you can tell that some time has passed, quite a bit of time. And having been on the road for most of your new adult life, you know how to tell when distance has passed. And all the signs are here. The air in the van seems drier. And you can hear the hum of a heater running in the car. It's colder here. You can gather that much. And the road sounds different under the tires. You're incredibly groggy. But as you come to, you can tell that the light feels different as well. You're north of where you were. You're not sure how far north, but just based on the heater running, you're certain you're not in Florida anymore. Mm. Oh, gosh. How long have we been on the road for? Oh, you're up. Mm-hmm. You were out much longer than I anticipated you being. We're actually almost there. Just hang tight for a second. I'll get you unstrapped as soon as we're stopped. Oh, okay. Gosh, I'm getting old. Giving truth to her statement, you can feel the car braking and turning and approaching slowly towards something. You can hear the crunch of gravel underneath the tires, and then it stops. The engine shudders and turns off for the first time that you've heard since you were in the car. As the doors swing open, there's a pleasant chime, and the woman places a hand on your arm and she says, Okay, honey, we're going to get you out of the car, and I'll get you unstrapped as soon as we're inside, I promise. Sure enough, they pull you out of the van, and they pull you up to a building. A building that you can see is about three stories tall, has a pebbled, neutral gray exterior, an overhang on the circular drive that appears tacked on, and the doors, as you are wheeled through them, bear a clear stenciling that says, UCRI Center for Study, Manchester. Oh, I thought I was going to jail. (laughs) Oh, court, no. The doors swing closed behind you, and you are wheeled into a a acerbic-smelling vinyl-tiled room. And the tiles themselves are a tan color and checked with a mint green and a chocolate brown and maybe the most unappealing arrangement of colors you've ever seen. There's a brief buzz as a door is open. And once your gurney is wheeled through that, the woman, true to her word, starts unstrapping you. You rub your wrists and you sit up. Welcome to UCRI's Center for Study Courts. It's good to have you back. Oh, thank you. Uh, oh, uh, back? Uh, it's been a pretty eventful few days for you, huh? Oh, yeah, it has. Well, don't worry too much. We'll get you back to your room. Just sit tight. I imagine those drugs are going to be a little bit heavy for you for a bit. We generally do not like to use those, but given the length of the ride and all that you've been through, I thought it might be better to get you some sleep. Oh, I, I appreciate it, but like, I'm perfectly able to sleep on my own, you know, just like everyone else, really. <laughs> of course, Gord, of course. Just hang tight, Okay. She leaves to talk to someone at a desk briefly. You look around the room. It's a small intake area. The door that you were buzzed through obviously is some type of security door. You can easily notice the metal 
great inlaid in the glass. There are two orderlies in white jumpsuits, also emblazoned with the UCRI, standing at attention at the opposite side of the room. Court's going to take like just a few steps over to where the orderlies are, just within like a comfortable talking distance to them. They acknowledge you. One of them casts you a smile, gives you a nod, like they know you, but neither one of them reacts more than that. Uh, hello there. I'm just wondering. I'm a little out of it right now. I apparently had something that put me flat on my butt for a little while. Where are we, like, geographically speaking? I mean, you saw it on the door, didn't you, Court? Uh, yeah, but, like, my brain is a swimming right now. I apparently was unconscious for a very long time. So I'm kind of disorientated. <sighs> Last time you were too, Court. It's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> oh, that was a long car ride. Uh, so you, I was like this last time, too. Oh, man, that must be super embarrassing for me. Manchester. We're back in Manchester, Tennessee. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate everyone being so nice. I still get to go back to my room soon. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, it looks like uh, Helen is coming. Ah, oh, there, there she is. Hey, Helen. Hey, she walks up from behind you and places a hand on your shoulder. Kurt, are you ready? You bet I am. All right. She makes a motion towards a wheelchair and she says, I know it can be a little hard to maintain balance after the patch. Do you want us to wheel you back? Oh, I feel pretty good. I, um, I kind of want to get my blood flowing. I think that's the best way to make sure that I get all of my equilibrium back, Helen. Thank you. Of course. And she motions to the orderly that had acknowledged you previously, and they press a button on the side of the door, and it buzzes, and you are led through. It's a walk through many of the same colored hallways as the one in the entrance. The same mint green and brown tiles, surrounded by earth-toned hands, and the plain, unadorned walls in the same shade of beige. You go through a number of turns. There's apparently a logic to this place that you don't fully understand because every hallway looks like the next to you. And you've been in psych wards before. This definitely feels like a psych ward, but it is surprisingly quiet. You come to the end of one of these hallways and you encounter the first set of closed doors that you have since entering the building. Court, here's your room, room 2517. Same room as always. We're really glad to have you back. I know that it doesn't feel like home always, but we want it to be home for you, Court. So if there's anything I can do, I'm There is billing... one thing. When we were driving here, you mentioned, uh, like, fresh strawberries. I still remember that right now. And so, like, is there, like, any chance I can get a few? <laughs> you know what? You just settle in courts. I'll see what I can do about getting you some strawberries, okay? You are the best, Helen. Thank you so much. Anything I can do for you, courts. And she steps back. And the door closes with a click and a thunk behind her. And you know that that was 100% a deadbolt closing. What the fuck? 
Court, you're in a room that is very obviously some type of a medical setting. There are beds here, the type of unadorned bed that definitely shouts institution to you. But what else is going on here is not immediately apparent. First thing Court's going to do is pat herself down and see if she has her cell phone on her. No. I didn't think so. All of your belongings are not on you any longer. Uh, oh, gosh, they took my Tamagotchi. It's going to die if they don't do something. I don't think they're going to. Or, gosh, if I'm in Tennessee, it probably already is dead. Oh, man, that's actually really bad. Well, I mean, the Tamagotchi thing, but mostly in Tennessee. Let's check back in with Jackie, Tosca, Jenny, and Blanche. In possession of a van and a hostage and a dead body what what are you guys doing well the first thing i would like to know is in this binder that i'm holding in my hand is there any sort of information as to what one would do if they caught one of the people they were looking for you look through both these pages on the second page the list of czar facilities you do notice that there is something at the bottom of that that outlines simple instructions that all singletons detained as a part of an interlace event are to be remanded to an intake facility for initial processing. Does it give like a selection of intake facilities nearby to take them to? Above that, in the list of czar facilities, as you scroll through it, it is just a set of towns. You're looking specifically for intake Yes, I'm looking specifically for in- any information on a possible facility they would have taken court to. Okay. There's Richfield, Utah, Rome, New York, Manchester, Tennessee, Wheeling, West Virginia, Flagstaff, Arizona, and Missoula, Montana on the list of czar facilities that have intake as one of the designations. Looks like we got a, uh, a road trip. All right. I'm going to take over watch over Robert so Dr. Jackie can go and check on Blanche. Before I leave Robert's side, uh, is there happen to be any first aid kits in your van? Yeah, there's medical equipment in the back. It's underneath the gurney. Okay, I will go to the back of the van and grab that on my way to go see how Blanche is. Okay, uh, yeah, there's a Gladstone bag very similar to the one that you possess yourself. That you grab from oh, underneath. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that you grab from underneath the gurney, and you pop out the back door there, where Blanche is just now starting to sit up. Jackie, you lean down over Blanche, and the first thing apparent to you is that she has the type of road rash that you'd expect from somebody that took a header straight into asphalt. There's some scrapes on the side of her face, but she is moving now, even if it is stiff. And there's nothing that screams to you any type of broken bone or anything like that. You doing all right, Blanche? Besides, you know, the obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm coming... coming around. You feeling anything that's extra off? Uh, face hurts a little bit. Maybe because, you know, I dragged it on the pavement. I mean, like, internally that we can't see. Oh, um, uh, no, everything seems fine. A little stiff. 
Uh, once Jenny sees that Jackie's over here and dealing with Blanche, she's gonna go walk over to Jenna. Y'all can finish your scene, but Jack- Jenny's gonna go check her out. We need to move her out of sight. Once I get Blanche to the van, I'll come over and help you move her. And then we should probably load up and get out of sight ourselves. Is she... Did I... She's not coming with us. Are you going to be able to help me move her, or should I uh, ask Tosca and you can keep an eye on Robert? Uh, I... We've got to do this, Jenny. I, I, I know, I know. I just, I didn't, I, I didn't think she would die. I didn't mean to do this. I just, uh... I know. Shit happens. We got to go. I have a question. Uh-huh. What was Jenna wearing? Jenna was wearing the same black jumpsuits that every... Oh, that was what we were supposed to take, the fucking jumpsuits. Oh, it was part of our plan, wasn't it? We're bad with this plan shit, just, you know. Actually, did you see any extra jumpsuits in the van, Jenny? Jenny's not with you. Jenny is by the body, taking off the jumpsuit. What? (laughs) (laughs) You see her put it on and she turns around and you see her eyes are still kind of puffy and stuff. You can see like where her sleeve is wet from wiping tears, but her face now is stony and resolute. And she walks on over in this suit, mumbling something about death being sure and rebirth and all this. And she gets in the van, seemingly ready to go, saying nothing. Okay. Uh, The suit's a little bit big on you, Jenny. It's a little bit roomy. Jenna was slightly bigger than you. And it's definitely scuffed up from, you know, being launched off the back of a van. There's extra suits, but... uh I don't think you're all gonna fit in him. And we've only got the one spare because I, I, I got my other one dirty. Well, Robert, looks like it's time to get naked. Well, I, I got clothes under this. Do you want me to get I mean, all, no, 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 all the no. way naked? Like, just, just give us, just give us the jumpsuit. Okay, Keep your clothes because on. I, I, I just want to be clear. You guys are running the show. You guys untie Robert's hands, and he manages to snake his way out of this jumpsuit and then he offers his wrists back up to you and says I just want to comment again that I'm I'm a dad to an eight year old daughter and I'm being very quiet and that should speak to how much I, I'm not causing trouble for you and I want to let you guys know that I have really horrible short term memory too since you're being so helpful how uh odd is it going to be if we drive this van down the street? Do you guys have a particular route that you stick to? There's really only one thing that you got to watch out for. They're going to call out periodically for a, a passphrase. I've got my passphrase, which I'll gladly get to you, but I don't have Jenna's. And it requires both ears. They didn't tell us exactly what happens if we didn't say the passphrase, just that we had to say it when it was asked for. All right, let's go. I'm going to slide back into the driver's seat, and I fasten my seatbelt. You make your way the short drive back to the safe house, 
Robert continues to answer your questions to the best of his ability, but unfortunately he's not as helpful as you'd hoped. When you arrive, Jackie and Blanche pile out of the van to collect Victoria and Bruce. They disappear through the cellar doors, and after a few moments, Victoria and Bruce come streaming out after them. Victoria is obviously agitated. You brought a fucking UCRI van back here? You are going to get us all fucking killed. Why does no one listen to me? Meanwhile, Robert is in the back of this van, and he's staring at you with kind of a half-smile on his face. He goes, I knew I wasn't just a Robert. I knew that that Dave inside of me was who I was meant to be. You all came here from somewhere else. And I don't mean like Georgia. I mean, you all came here from a whole other goddamn planet. Didn't you? This has been What's in the Rift. this guy? Is he coming with us? Is he on our side? He knows too much. We can't leave him behind, but, you know. At Gilly, yeah, he's definitely on our side. As long as I we have, have the If you enjoyed our show, please remember to rate and review on your favorite podcast platforms. If you really enjoyed our show, you can support us directly via Patreon or join our Discord. Both links can be found at whatsintherift.com. What's in the Rift is brought to you by Gas Station Drugs.